Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Looking for something to do with the Nats playing late? Walters says live music. Matt Waller, Andrew Gorski, and Paul Bonsiero will be performing at 8 p.m. No cover, no tickets, and plenty of fun. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wood into the wine. Here's the pitch. Soto swings and drives into the air to deep center field. Back goes Slater way back on the warning track of the wall, and it is gone. Goodbye. A home run into the Giants' bullpen. Bang! Zoom goes Juan Soto. Here's the pitch. Hernandez lines a sharp line drive to right center that's going to fall in for a base hit. Robles headed home. Gonzalez comes up throwing. It's cut off by Ruff as Victor Robles scores, standing up. Cesar Hernandez has his second hit in his fourth RBI of the season. And a ground ball by Josh Bell. Past the diving third baseman Vossler for a base hit. Cruz coming home. The throw home by Krizan is cut off. And Nelson Cruz will score on the RBI single for Josh Bell. Fastball swinging a ground ball through the right side. A base hit in the right field. Here comes Robles from third to score. Run number 14 in the game for the Nationals. And it's a three-hit game for Alcides Escobar. And welcome to Nats Chat for Saturday, April 30th, 2022, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Oracle Park in San Francisco. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. We are taping this installment of the Nats Chat podcast at 3.11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. But we are taping this installment of the Nats Chat Podcast off a Nats win. Yes, I said a Nats win, an actual real-life victory for the Nats this season. A 14-4 win at the San Francisco Giants on Friday night slash Saturday morning in Game 1 of a three-game series in Game 1 of a nine-game road trip. The Nats' eight-game losing streak over. The Nats this season now 7-15. and And how about the nature of this eight-game losing streak ending win a 14-run, 22-hit outburst. The Nats, during their eight-game losing streak, totaled 16 runs. The Nats, on Friday nights last Saturday morning, totaled 14 runs. Mark, quite the way to snap the streak. We are not used to seeing the Nats hit like that, but we would love to see this happen more often. We would, Al. I'm a little delirious at the moment. I woke up at 5.45 a.m. on the East Coast and uh, some almost, what, 22 hours later, we're here recording this. But 
hey, if you're going to do it, at least do it off a 14-run <laughs> outburst like that. And, I mean, talk about a nice way to start a road trip. Forget even about the losing streak they were on. This is a tough road trip now. San Francisco, Colorado, Anaheim. To start it off like this, I do think it makes a difference. Now, you know, we may be talking 24 hours from now and saying, why can't they hit? Why can't they score runs? Maybe this was just a blip. But to see it from all over the place. And you know what? They scored 14 runs. They only hit one home run. That was Soto in the first inning. They got contributions from everybody, pretty much except for Cabert Ruiz. They went 11 for 23 with runners in scoring position. How often do you see that? I mean, that that to me is actually the best sign of it all, that it's not necessarily a fluke where everyone's just hitting the ball in the air and taking advantage of you know warm weather or something like that. No, they were coming through in big spots with runners in scoring position. There were a lot of quality at bats in this game. You had three Nats, each with four hits in the game. Josh Bell, Michael Franco, and Victor Robles. How about that? You had two Nats, each with three hits in the game. Cesar Hernandez and Alcides Escobar. And I'd like to highlight my personal favorite moment of the night. So this game happened one week to the day of a 7-1 Nats loss to the Giants at Nationals Park in a game in which Alcides Escobar, remember, felt like the Giants ran up the score. The final score was only 7-1, but Alcides took exception to the Giants' late-inning behavior to where uh, he was jawing at the Giants late in that game. Thought that the Giants were running up the score. Escobar picks it up and throws about 6-2 on the out at the plate to end the inning. And Escobar, he's upset. He's saying, why are you running with the score? Guess who drove in the Nats' 14th and final run in this 14-4 win at the Giants on Friday night slash Saturday morning? You guessed it! Alcides Escobar, he in a Nats five-run eighth, had a two-out opposite field RBI single through the right side of the infield to put the Nationals up 14-4. So, Mark, I ask you, was Alcides Escobar in this game running up the score? That is the philosophical question for us on this podcast. No, he was not. He got a pitch he could hit, and he hit it, and they scored. Now, you know, they didn't. They weren't running wild on the bases. They weren't doing anything out of the ordinary. They just kept hitting over and over and over. Look, was there a little bit of uh, catharsis in this win for those guys in the dugout? Yes. I am sure that they uh, made a point not to take the foot off the gas pedal there as this game played out. Because, look, I'll be honest, there was a moment there in about the sixth, seventh inning when you thought, this isn't totally comfortable yet. They could find a way to botch this. And then they kept piling on uh, and doing that. And yeah, you better believe they felt a little bit something extra because of what happened last weekend against the same team. But I try to say this objectively. I didn't see anything the Nationals did that anyone should take any issue with. They played the game. They did not do anything that was instigating the ire of the other team or anything with outside the norm of what you do when you play a baseball game, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And uh, I, of course, was being sarcastic with that question. I thought the Escobar outburst the previous Friday night was ridiculous. And it would be just as ridiculous to suggest that what Alcides did uh, in this game on this Friday night slash Saturday morning was running up the score. I, I, you know, Hopefully, Alcides has looked back on his behavior two Fridays ago now and realizes that was a little uh, out of line. Uh, but, you know, it was interesting. You did seemingly maybe have some bad blood in this game. I don't know what it looked like live at the ballpark, but I know watching on TV. So Juan Soto hit a homer in this game. Uh, in that Nats one run first, he smashed a one-out solo shot to center field on an 0-2 pitch 
to put the Nats up one nothing. Homer came off the giant starting pitcher Alex Wood. Uh, the Homer came one pitch after Soto called time, seemingly rather late on Wood, and then after hitting the Homer, it looked, and you know I wasn't there, so I don't know, but it looked like Soto was jawing at Wood and kept looking back at Wood. So I don't know. Maybe there's some uh, bad blood to some extent. You know, it's interesting too. Davey Martinez, he was a coach for Gabe Kapler during Gabe's time with the Tampa Bay Rays. So they do have some relationship. And as far as I know, they get along just fine. So I don't think like Gabe and Davey don't like each other. But I thought that Soto thing was kind of interesting. He seemed to be, uh, I don't want to say taunting Wood, but he seemed to be saying something to him or at least looking at him on that home run trot. Yeah, this was confined to just, I think, Juan Soto and Alex Wood. This didn't have anything to do with the two teams or anything that happened last week. They felt like Wood was quick pitching, and particularly to Soto. Wood was there getting the ball. He was working really fast. And hey, if the umpire is going to let you do it, then you're going to do it. The whole point of pitching is to throw off the timing of hitters. And, you know, you don't want, of all guys, you don't want Juan Soto to be comfortable at the plate. You want to make him feel like he's rushed. And so what you had happen was, on that first at bat there, Soto calls time really right as Wood starting the windup. And Scott Barry, the home plate umpire, granted it to him. And Wood wasn't real happy about that. He did sort of like the start the motion and then cut it off short. And pitchers never like that. Well, what's he do? He hits a homer on the next pitch. So there's a little bit of, I think, from Soto to him like, hey, see, you got to give me a chance. You can't just try to quick pitch me. Now, the next time he comes up, it happens again. This time, Barry doesn't grant Soto the time that he wants. Wood throws the pitch. Soto backs away, then realizes, oh my God, I have to hit this. Somehow, this might be the most remarkable thing the whole night. Got both hands on the bat and managed to pop it up to third. The one-two, now time was called, and Soto pokes the ball in the air while trying to get back in the box and pops up to the third baseman. And Soto now is going to be upset. He said he was specifically trying just to hit it over the third baseman's head. He didn't quite get there, couldn't quite get enough on the bat, but... That was sort of part two of all this. And that's when Juan afterwards kind of went off a little bit towards the umpire. Barry Davey had to pull him back, make sure he's not going to get ejected for that. And I think, especially from that point on, it was clear that, and I don't know what you could see on TV, Scott Barry was putting his hand out to Alex Wood saying, slow to hang on a second. You don't get the pitch till I tell you it's okay. So he wasn't even making the Nats call for time. He knew what Wood was trying to do there. At least in that one moment, it, he probably didn't catch it in time, though. Interesting. I mean, you know, we pretty much know that pitch clocks are coming. I mean, if Alex Wood is trying to speed things up, I'm all for that. But uh, uh, the game within the game on Friday night uh, did become, I don't know if contentious is the word, but there was some bad blood there clearly between Juan Soto and Alex Wood. Juan Soto hits the home run. was great to see that. That obviously ended up setting a tone for the game. Soto finished the game two for five with a solo homer, an RBI single, and a walk. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Juan Soto? If so, you should call Mason Kalfas of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. Works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons just superstars. Some lawyers switch firms because of conflicts. Some lawyers switch firms for a better platform for their practice. And some lawyers switch firms for more money. You need the Scott Boris of legal headhunters working for you. And that's Mason. Mason will work with you to find a better fit for your practice and ultimately the best deal for you and your entire team. Call him today at 202 486 
888-500-3535 or check out his website, zenithlegal.com. This is an unprecedented time in the legal market and many top firms are looking to expand. Call Mason today. Zenith Legal also works with associates and distinguishes itself on personal service. Zenith Legal doesn't just spam resumes out to law firms. Zenith Legal talks to the right people and gets your resume in front of the decision makers who matter. Whether you are a Rainmaker partner or a mid-level associate, give Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal a call today to accelerate your career. Call today, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here's Victor Robles, already with a three-hit game. And a swing and a line drive deep to left, down the line, toward the corner. It's down and fair and off the wall in play. Rounding third, Franco, he scores. Here comes Thomas speeding home. Throw to the plate is not in time. It gets by, and over to third on the play goes Robles. In terms of some of the Nats who had big nights in this game, at the Giants on Friday night. I mean, Victor Robles, I mentioned this, four hits. I mean, geez, that has not happened often over the last few years. He went four for five with a two-run double, an RBI single, and two other singles. Uh, Two-run second, he had a two-out RBI single to left center. Four-run six, he had a one-out single on an 0-2 pitch on a dribbler that went off the third base bag. So some, you know, good luck there for Robles. Uh, Top of the seventh, a two-out first pitch bunt single on a well-placed bunt toward the third base side of the pitcher's mound, and then a five-run eighth, a two-out first pitch, two-run double to left field to put the Nats up 13-4. I mean, you know, Robles got bumped up to the number eight spot in Davies' lineup. Uh, this tells you how much Alcides Escobar had been struggling, that Escobar now is in that Robles number nine spot. I mean, that's the ultimate demotion in Davies' mind. But Robles bumped up to number eight, and he has a four-hit night in this game. It's good to see that. It's only the second of his career And the first one came way back in September of 2018. So we're going way back there for that to happen. And yeah, there was the bunt. The infield single was a little bit flukish, but I loved the other two at-bats. The first one, two out, 
RBI single. That's big. They just want him to put the bat on the ball there, drive it to the middle of the field like he did. And the double was a really nice example of him turning on the inside pitch and poking it down the line like that to score two. We're finally seeing some uh, positive results from all the changes they've been working on with Soto. And and David was even joking afterwards how the on-deck circle here is really close to where Davey is positioned in the dugout. And so close that every time Victor's in the on-deck circle, literally every time, David was yelling at him, hey, make sure your hands are up, make sure your hands are up. It got to the point that Victor in like his third and fourth at bat was like already saying it back to Davey before he could even hear it from him. He knew that it was coming. But you keep pounding that into his head and you see that it does make a difference when he's positioning his hands higher, he's able to get to pitches faster, and he's having good at bats. And we can say that there was progress along the way, but at some point you have to see results. Everybody has to see it. And you're finally seeing it on a night like this. And there's been a slow development to get towards it. I don't know if he just turned a corner or not, but if he did, we're going to look back on this game potentially as the night that it all changed for him. You have to believe that that's going to leave him way more confident than he's been in a while when you have a game like that. Robles in this game played in his 19th game of the season. He, over the first 18 games, had seven hits. He, in this game, had four hits. I mean, think about that. You know, something that really stood out to me watching this game was the frequency with which the Nats had first pitch hits. Davey Martinez recently talked about wanting the Nats to be more aggressive in their plate appearances. I mentioned the two-run double by Robles in the five-run eighth. That was a two-out first pitch, two-run double. Uh, How about Josh Bell? in this game. Four for six with a double and RBI single and two other singles. Bell in that Nats two-run third, one-out first pitch single. Uh, Bell in the Nats four-run sixth, two-out first pitch RBI single through the left side of the infield to put the Nats up 9-3. There were other examples of the Nats being aggressive early in counts. Uh, Michael Franco, top of the ninth, one-out first pitch single through the left side uh, of the infield. Franco in that Nats two-run third, one-out first pitch RBI double down the left field line for a 4-2 Nats lead. I don't know if this is coincidence. I don't think that it was. The Nats seemingly were a lot more aggressive in this game, and the results obviously were tremendous. It's not coincidence. They've been trying to pound this into guys' heads. You don't have to work the count. Look for fastballs early in the count. And if they're over the plate and you think it's a good pitch to hit, go for it. That may be the best pitch you get over the course of an at-bat. What they don't want is for guys to start chasing out of the zone that can either be early in the count or more damaging late in the count. So don't ever let it get to that point. If you see a good fastball in the strike zone, go after it, see what you can do with it. And you definitely saw a difference there uh, in this game. Now, can they sustain that? We'll see. Um, But it certainly uh, jibes with what Davey and what Darnell Coles, the hitting coach, have been talking to them for a while about. uh, And that is you know, don't let yourself get into a position where now the the pitcher's ahead of you and they can throw anything they want and you feel forced to protect the plate. Take control of the at-bat from the very beginning. You see a pitch you like, go hit it. Josh Bell's OPS for the season now, 972. Boy, he has been so good at the plate so far this season. I want to ask you this, though. So, you know, the Nats were up big in this game. Why in the bottom of the ninth were the likes of Juan Soto and Josh Bell playing the field? I mean, especially Bell, he's dealing with these leg ailments. Seemed like a perfect opportunity to get him off his feet and put somebody, you know, give Riley Adams an inning at first base. I I don't get why Davey wouldn't give his, his, especially like his top guys, some rest in a game like this in the latter innings. Yeah, I could see that. Um, You know, they added on the extra runs in the eighth. So I guess by the time you get to the bottom of the eighth, maybe you could have 
done something like that. Or maybe Davey was trying to make a point to the manager across the way from him to say, okay, you're not going to ease up on the gas pedal. We're not going to ease up on the gas pedal at all. I don't know if there's any of that going on or not. But yeah, yeah, you know, you could have done that, sure. But uh, I think also if you've got guys feeling good at the plate and they have a chance at another at bat to maybe get a four hit night, maybe there's a psychological reason to want to leave them in actually. Yeah, that's fine. But I mean, you know, bottom of the ninth, you're done batting, get Bell off his feet. I mean, he's right hamstring, left knee, like get him especially off his feet. I, I just, I thought that was like a wasted opportunity uh, to get Bell some rest. Anyway, Nats were tremendous offensively in this game. You mentioned the one guy though, who was not Cape Ruiz, 0 for 6 with two strikeouts. He left seven men on base. It has been a rough go of it for him offensively. His OPS for the season is at just 556. Um, anything standing out to you about K-Bird at the plate as Davey talked about K-Bird struggles? Um, because, you know, this is, uh, aside from like his hot start to the season, really hasn't done much offensively since then. No, he hasn't. And I mean, the two strikeouts, that's pretty rare for him. That's not who he is. He's so good at getting the bat on the ball. And that tells me he's probably chasing and extending a little too much, trying to do more than he uh, than he should. You know, I think he's going to be fine in the long run. This is a very talented young player. But we got to remember what they're asking of him as a essentially rookie catcher. He doesn't qualify as a rookie anymore, but he essentially is. Okay, we want you to be an important part of the middle of our lineup. He's been hitting fifth for the most part. He was sixth on this night. And oh, by the way, you got to work with a pitching staff that, as we know, has plenty of flaws. And we're asking you to navigate them through all these games. I mean, it is a big ask for any catcher, particularly one with as little experience as he has. And so maybe it's kind of all, um, you know, getting to him a little bit. I, I Again, I think he's going to be fine in the long run. Um, he's a he's a good player. He's a bright kid. You can tell he he's up for all this. Um, but maybe at the moment, it is a little bit too much for him to have to worry about. And if the idea is, okay, let's focus more on the pitching staff and working with them, and then we'll get to the hitting eventually, um, you know, maybe that that's better off for him. Well, hard not to love what you saw offensively from the Nats in this game. So it was a late game. There's no doubt about that. Scheduled first pitch was at 10-15. The game ended up taking close to four hours. But if you stayed up to watch the game, you saw one hit after another. And it, it became almost absurd. All of these hits by the Nats, every ball they put in play, it felt like dropped in for a hit. You know, I, like that. that it's so cliche, right? But like, when you're hot, you're hot. When things are going your way, they are going your way. And man, this game was so emblematic of that. Like every time the Nats put the bat on the ball, the result seemingly was a hit. I mean, like we said, 22 hits in this game. It's crazy. It's only the 10th time in club history they've had 20 or more hits in a game. It's only the third time in franchise, I'm sorry, the second time in franchise history that they've had three guys with four hits in a game. The only other time, 1978 for the Expos, Gary Carter, Andre Dawson, and Larry Parrish. I mean, that we're going way back to that. So it doesn't happen often, obviously. And uh, there is something about hitting being contagious. They, they all say it. We can believe that it's true or not, but they believe it. And if they believe it, as we know, as George Casanza said, it's not a lie if you believe it. And they certainly believe it. Now, the key can they bring it back on Saturday and Sunday and continue with this? Not that they have to score 14 runs every night, but can they sustain some offense? Can they deliver those two out hits with runners in scoring position? All of that. 
if they can, we're going to look at this game as a turning point for them. If they can't, this is just going to be a, a nice little blip on the radar. One more thing on the offense. So Davey Martinez, with his lineup for this game, went back to having Nelson Cruz as the number three batter and Josh Bell as a cleanup batter. We know how Davey is. If he has success with a lineup, he don't change it. So I think that's it. We are never, ever, ever seeing Nelson Cruz as a cleanup batter and Josh Bell as a number three batter again. This worked, and so this is the way to go. But I find that funny because that flip-flop really ended up doing nothing, right? The offense continued to struggle. Davey goes back to Cruz as a three batter, Bell as a four batter, and you explode with this 14-run, 22-hit outburst. Yeah, I don't know if it made a difference or not, but uh, I I think in this game, it was mostly about facing a lefty. And so you figure Cruz is maybe the better matchup. Although Josh Bell has hit really well from the right side of the plate, way better than he has in his career. And that's been among the reasons that he's doing as well as he is and consistently doing it. But right now, they are doing everything they can to try to get Nelson Cruz right. Because I think they know deep down, obviously Soto is going to hit. You think you know what you're going to get from Bell. If Nelson Cruz hits, this is going to be potentially a good lineup. If he doesn't, it's a huge gaping hole. They don't have somebody else to plug in there. And so I would say that actually, you know, as much as we talk about Robles and Escobar and some of the guys on the bottom half of the lineup, I think project number one for Darnell Coles and Davey Martinez is getting Nelson Cruz right. As he goes, I think the lineup will go as well. Cruz did go hitless in this game on Friday night slash Saturday morning. Uh, did draw a walk and did have uh, an RBI on a one-out RBI force out in that Nats four-run six. Now Paolo Espino to the belt, his 2-0 pitch on the way. Swung on, hit a mile high into shallow right center field. Robles and Soto, it's Robles calling, and he makes the catch. Bang! Zuma, Curly W in the books here in San Francisco. Well, when you score 14 runs, you don't need the pitching to be outstanding. Uh, the Nats starting pitching in this game on Friday night was not outstanding, but it certainly was good enough to win. Uh, Aaron Sanchez was an ad starting pitcher, made a second start for the Nats, and I uh, gave up three runs in five innings. He had four strikeouts versus no walks, gave up six hits, a homer, and five singles, did issue a wild pitch, but I'll tell you what about Sanchez. He throws strikes. He in this game threw 51 of his 71 pitches for strikes, and if you go back to his uh, Nats Major League regular season debut last Saturday, that 5-2 loss to the Giants at Nationals Park. So he won great in that game, gave up four runs and four into third innings, but he threw 43 of his 64 pitches for strikes in that game. So you know what? If you're throwing strikes, you can have at least, you know, some success, and he did have some success uh, in this game on Friday night. Bottom of the second, gave up two runs, a two-out first pitch, bun single by Austin Slater, two-out wild pitch, and then a two-out two-run homer by Jason Vossler to center field. And then Sanchez in the bottom of the fifth gave up a run, a leadoff single by Austin Slater to center field, one out first pitch single by Joey Bart on a grounder that went off the glove of a diving Alcides Escobar, past a diving Escobar. It happened again uh, in this game, and then the run scored on a Luis Gonzalez one out RBI sack fly. But, uh, you know, solid from Sanchez. I mean, we, you know, we can't go too crazy over this, but three runs in five innings for a guy who you signed uh, to a minor league contract back in March uh, as a reclamation project. I think you take that if you're the Nets. Yeah, the strike throwing to me was the key. 51 of 71 for strikes. The sinker, he was getting like legit movement on that pitch. And he actually talked about how the wind, which was blowing out, so he's he's pitching into the wind. Uh, he felt like that makes a big difference on that pitch and helps it move uh, a little bit more. 
So that was really good for him. He, you know, all other than that, he was just mixing in a few curveballs uh, and a few four seam fastballs. It was mostly the sinker. He had one really bad pitch, the curveball that turned into the two run homer. But there was a lot to like there, actually. You know, he could have gone a little further, but they're going to be careful with him. He's a guy who's had a lot of injuries in recent years. They're going to let him like build himself up. Uh, I don't know if he's going to become a regular member of this rotation who's going to make a difference for them. But I can tell you that he really appreciated this, you know, his first big league win of this season. Like I said, a lot of injuries that he's dealt with. He said he feels right now as good as he has in years. This is someone who had like legitimate success with the Blue Jays. It's been a while, but he had legitimate success. And in his mind, if he can be healthy, he thinks he can still be an effective big league starting pitcher. Let's see. We need to see it more than just a couple of times now. Let's see him get to a point that he can actually approach the 100 pitch mark and get through six innings or so. But the strike throwing ability is what stood out to me in this one. It helps when you're pitching with a lead. But in general, if you can do that, you're going to have a, a pretty good chance of success. Yeah, he is a reclamation project. He's actually not that old, though. This season is his age 29 season. Uh, Like Mark said, Sanchez has had success. You know, Aaron Sanchez for the 2016 regular season was number one among all qualified pitchers in the American League in ERA at three. But his career has since fallen apart. September 2019, he underwent right shoulder surgery, but he's back here with the Nats. And, you know, so far, he's been halfway decent for him over a couple of starts. Uh, Davey Martinez uh, in this game on Friday night did use five relievers. So this was another five reliever outing for the Nats. Uh, But the bullpen overall did a good job. One run in four innings, six strikeouts. The boo-boo was Sam Clay in the bottom of the seventh, giving up a one-out solo homer to Joey Bart to left field. But you had Austin Voth, Steve Ciszek, Sam Clay, Francisco Perez, and our guy Paolo Espino, Getting the job done. How about Paolo, by the way, striking out Luke Williams on three pitches with the bases loaded to end the bottom of the eighth and then tossing a scoreless bottom of the ninth inning. You know, it's funny, and this game kind of became a blowout. It wasn't a blowout from the get-go, but you, you aren't seeing, even in, in games decided big time one way or the other, Davey just using one or two relievers to cover the final few innings. Like this, You would think like a 10-run win, you don't have to use five relievers, but sure enough, that's what the Nats ended up doing in this game. Yeah, it would be nice. Um, I think we're going to start seeing that here within a couple more days. And I think we mentioned it the other day, there's still a lot of evaluation going on right now because before Sunday's game, they have to remove two pitchers from the staff when everyone has to get down to 26 active players uh, on their roster. And so I think that may have had something to do with some of the usage in this game uh, and who they used and when and the quick hooks in some cases and not maybe extending guys beyond an inning. You know, you mentioned that only Sam Clay gave up the runs. Austin Voth, two hits and a wild pitch in his two-thirds of an inning. And uh, Francisco Perez hit two walks. Like you said, he loaded the bases. Davey doesn't want to have to go to Palo at that point to get out of the inning. But he decided, no, enough's enough. Perez threw 29 pitches, only 13 strikes. Those are the kind of guys who right now, they're pitching for their jobs. Because come Sunday, two of them, whoever they're going to be, are going to be out of jobs. And they have to make the most of whatever opportunities they get between now and then. So I actually think even though it was kind of in a blowout situation, there was a lot of evaluation going on in the dugout and in the GM's office as they were watching those last few innings of this game. Has Patrick Murphy made a decision when they brought Sanchez up 
to make room on the 40-man roster. They DFA'd Murphy. That was uh, essentially seven days ago now. That was last Saturday. Has Murphy decided if, uh, has he cleared waivers? Is he coming back to the organization? Yeah, he cleared waivers and was outrighted. So he is back with Rochester in their bullpen. Uh, you know, and the, we could have some others who are in a similar situation here soon if they are guys without options that end up losing their jobs. And I, you know, it is kind of interesting. Um, you hate to say it, but it does feel like sometimes this team hangs on to guys because they're out of options. They finally make the decision to put them on waivers. And guess what? They usually go unclaimed. So maybe there's a little bit of an evaluation issue with the organization in overvaluing some of these guys and thinking that other teams would jump at the chance to sign them if they became available or claim them off waivers. And in most of the cases, they have not been doing that. So maybe it should encourage Mike Rizzo, David Martinez to not feel like they have to hang on to everyone as long as they do, that you may get a guy through like Andrew Stevenson. We saw the end of spring training, Patrick Murphy. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two more of them uh, in the next few days. You tell us what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast Nats chat podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to become a sponsor of the Nats chat podcast, hit up Tim Shovers. Again, the email address Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please give the Nats chat podcast a five-star rating if you haven't yet done that. And uh, also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please write like, you know, one or two cents review saying how much that you like the podcast, the ratings, and the reviews help out a lot. And we thank everyone so much for continuing to listen and download and subscribe to this Nats Chat podcast. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat podcast. Ramsey's pitch. Grounder to third base. Nick LaRusso's up with it. Here's the throw. Perfection! Ramsey has done it, the first man on the Terrapin to throw a perfect game since 1959. It's just the 34th perfect game in collegiate baseball. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.